welcome to We Call It Soccer, a podcast by two United fans. I'm Colin. I'm Notch. And I'm Caleb. This week there weren't a lot of games, but we had to record a pod all the same and tell the story of Dwyer's missed penalty and why the All-Star roster is lame. So one of my friends asked me this today. If you knew what your last meal was, what would your last drink be? <laughs> what? That that assumes that I'd know my, what my last meal would be. That's I mean, a very misleading question. Like I don't I have to decide that first for an answer to your question. I mean, you, let's assume. Why are we like, discussing this? Are you planning to do something, Colin, that we should know about? Hey, that way you have not a, a case you threatened to Colin? kill Caleb when he walked in the door. So he didn't threaten; he implied it. So I don't think I have a taste against them at all. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, okay, fine. So let's assume death row, except for nothing actually happened. You just know, like, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, I would drink aloe vera juice that with the little pulp that you get at um, Asian grocery stores. It's delicious, and the little pulp is all like crunchy, but it's also squishy. It's it's really good. Um. Oh, that's that's really hard. Um, probably uh, Starlet Seven. It's a beer from uh, Wausau, Wisconsin, from Red Eye Brewing. If you ever there, go to Red Eye Brewing. It is fantastic. It's Have, a, we, we haven't heard about it, I guess. Well, it, they don't distribute, so I don't expect you, <laughs> expect you to hear about it unless, <laughs> oh unless you've been there. You so beer, nobody's had. Wow. Well, go, go to Wausau. <laughs> they have great pizza at Red Eye Brewing as well. Uh, brick oven. Wood-fired pizza. It's delicious. Okay. And Starlet 7. It's a Belgian double. It's fantastic. It's my favorite beer. My friend that's getting married this weekend is from Wausau. She would tell me not to go to Wausau. So Anywho. this is why we're talking about last meals and last drinks. You're getting married. So she's like, you know, I'm walking down the aisle, man. <laughs> yeah, she's she's just Feels really like... like yeah, like... <laughs> she's really defeatist about this wedding. It hasn't even happened yet. Like, what's... <laughs> It's understandable, but... Okay, anywho, here, what's, what's your um, last drink? So, take a handle of Jameson, drink it down to the label, then fill it back up with equal parts sweet and dry vermouth. So, basically, it's like a perfect Manhattan. Um, toss in some orange oil. What? You, you, you like having your last drink at a bar? Well, no, because <laughs> you here's... You fancy motherfucker? Here's the thing. You bougie like, motherfucker. This is basically <laughs> my favorite cocktail, though. They're so gonna... I would just do that, except for I would drink a, a full handle of it. So you're basically going to be like, the guard brings you the bottle. He's like, oh, okay, here's your bottle of uh, whiskey. And then you're going to be like, no, 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 finish half of it, like over several hours and send the guard back. Then he comes back. He said, mix it up a bit. Like, and then you plan your escape. No, no, no. Like, <laughs> you you say the drink the label or drink down the label would take several hours. No, I'm trying to take charge of my death and just like <laughs> do it from a handle of whiskey that I actually enjoy. Like, if I know I'm gonna die, like I might as well just like do it myself rather than wait until whatever randomness happens. We have to pump his stomach. No, we don't. It's fine. <laughs> He's going to die anyways. Just open the window, bring some family members on the other side. It'll be fine. It's like a do not resuscitate. <laughs> how, do uh, we, how do we transition from that? What's, what's our segue here? Um, I don't think we've got one. Okay, let's move on. Just uh, Speaking uh, of monitoring you... people for terrible things happening to them. Oh, God. All right, with that, we should move into a segment we call... 
Loon Monitoring. In the Loon Monitoring segment, we talk about Minnesota United FC, our loons, and what they did in the past week. And uh, what they did in the past week was uh, not much. Not a whole lot. They did tie 1-1 against Atlas FC. With a kung fu fighting goal from Basham Tadri. That goal had a little bit of the Christian Ramirez taking advantage of Nick Romando sort of thing going on. Except for it was a little bit more, like, kind of fluke lucky, I think. By the way, I think if uh, MLS had, like, knockoff pornos, like, you know, the 30 Rock, like, fake porno, like, Christian Ramirez taking advantage of Nick Armando would be a very popular... uh... In front of 20,000 people. (laughs) 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 Um, so, so, So this game ended in a tie, and... It was a snooze fest. Let's let's be perfectly frank here. It was a dull affair, uh, punctuated by two goals. And what did we did we learn anything that we care about? I'm glad I stayed home. Um, I should have stayed home and taken care of my cat, but I didn't, and I regret that. And I actually left at halftime because I was feeling guilty for not taking care of my cat. That's where you went. Okay. And yeah, anywho, and you missed nothing. Yeah, you really missed nothing. Um, I know. Kadri reminded me a lot of Ibsen, honestly, except for technical skill was replaced with running at defenses, which is actually something that I do want to see the Loons do a bit more. But I think the most Ibsen-tastic thing is that he would be two or three steps in front of every single pass coming to him, and he would get really angry that the ball was behind him rather than actually doing anything to correct for it. <laughs> like, it, it just infuriated me the That's, whole time. It's like Ibsen and Vincentini had a baby. Basically. <laughs> basically. Um, beyond that, some people said that Ismaila Jome looked good defensively. Meh. Um, Justin Davis looked decent as a center back. Greenspan put in another solid performance. I think that he's basically put himself into underside of Coleman, if not at Coleman's level. I would hate to watch the two of them together because they do the exact same thing. But besides that, yeah, it, it was a, a really drab match. Sure. Well, we got a report from Jeff Ruder that Shmarim Shmeni Shmov, Vadim Dema don't come around here no more. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come around here no more. <laughs> Whatever well, you're looking hey. for, if it's a center back. <laughs> well, Vadim is all but gone, and he's expected to be transferring out, sold out. At this point, they'll probably put him on a little boat push it off and he's like where are the oars guys we don't care and then he sees a guy with like a arrow that has fire in it being <laughs> oh, shot no. at the boat <laughs> like I think it's more like a Dendry thing from Game of Thrones <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah you rove to Westeros it's like a four four day row from here you don't uh, know how to row it's fine you'll be fine Andre Gutsmanov comes to him and he's like get in this boat quick leave we need to save you <laughs> <laughs> he just is in the just rowing in Lake Minnetonka for like ever 
So I want to ask you guys, you guys watch more American sports than I do. Has there been a bigger American sports signing bust this year? This year, I don't believe so. But in history, absolutely. Yeah, there's tons of um, historical uh, what's, there's a, five-year There's a Mets bust. player who signed a 25-year contract. Bobby Benilla. Bobby Benilla. He just paid, uh-huh. he just paid like $1.3 million like every July 1st. And yeah. he hasn't played for like... 10 years yeah like the nice. contract like, that got him that he was released halfway through really? oh guys breaking news about Vadim Demidov's contract <laughs> no, no, no. god damn it and really any next player that signed from 2002 <laughs> now yeah um I mean it it was a bad signing five hundred and fifty thousand dollars <laughs> which for what we hate games. we hate to say it but it, there's probably even evidence of worse MLS signings somehow we haven't found them yet but by yeah. golly we will find them and so through our name so speaking of very highly played highly paid Minnesota United FC players Jean Albuquerque is expected to return to IFK Göteborg he was on loan with us and very low chance of a backup goalkeeper who's getting paid a crap ton of money sticking around yeah um, particularly one who is still recovering from finger surgery that finger no- surgery nobody yeah. knew that he had but apparently he had um gonna miss him he's a great Instagram follow if you haven't followed him already he's he's coming to Minnesota with open arms and has loved the culture and kind of has explored and had fun uh, a lot like uh, Tiesen is doing as well it's it's just gonna be sad to see him go you know everybody is complaining about Minnesota United's marketing and how there wasn't enough of it turns out they spent their marketing budget on off boogie because they would look at his Instagram and budget like, well that spent. is hot fire guerrilla marketing <laughs> yeah uh, yeah um, when Shields he- sign him sign him as your new Instagram intern <laughs> When he Please. did, the other one uses way too much boomerang. <laughs> uh, when he did play just behind a, def- a competent defensive line, he did he did well. Yeah, he came in he against uh, yeah. was it Houston? I, th- I think or was it was Dallas. It was Houston. He was a uh, collateral damage well. from Demidov. Yeah, collateral damage. Damage. Uh, second hand, poor defense. I don't know how to <laughs> second hand heat death from Demidov come around so, here no more. I've heard that Johan Vanegas is injured at the moment because he was released from the Costa Rican national team after the he, Gold Cup group He stage. was stretchered off for the first game. Uh, I think he was on the bench for the second game and didn't, but didn't come on, didn't play. So I'd, Basically, it seems like he's a not-quite-healthy scratch um, rather than a like full-out injured one. Okay, I wouldn't okay. expect him to play against Houston this week. No, I wouldn't try to play against New York this weekend either. Yeah. And we've heard that Kevin Molino is also day-to-day with his ankle. <laughs> He'll be fine, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, same with Brent Coleman? Um, questionable. Yeah, Coleman um, is at least Listed out by Minnesota, listed in at, by Meg Ryan, and I think Andy Dreader of Star Tribune Pioneer Press. So, Mitch's message is coming across. Uh, David Martin, 55-1, also known as Defensive Loons fan, is the most questionable in his pregame. Okay. article so uh shrug emoji i should I think should yeah. be for brent Coleman. Just yeah shrug, shrug emoji, emoji is who also the... didn't play next to uh greenspan in the middle davis oh oh well, fun. <laughs> honestly well, at least kubo torres is still with mexico yeah good. yeah and albert elise is still with honduras oh thank god um Ryan also reported that viva has an injury so he wasn't listed on the i don't think he was listed on the uh 
injury report, but mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll, we'll <laughs> we won't know what's going to happen with their lineup until tomorrow because it's crazy. Boxall and Nicholson are still not cleared to play as of Tuesday, but that might change. Who knows? At some point in the near future. Anything else you guys want to talk about from a Minnesota United standpoint? Do you guys want to even begin to predict what's going to happen against Houston or the Red Bulls on um, Saturday? Rumor has it that we're, we're still looking for more signings, some more moves. Um, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to that. As I, I like the whole transfer side of business in the soccer. I think it's really cool and how they do it and how there's two separate windows for everything. So hopefully sign some players that are not just depth oriented but also uh, tend to be starter quality. I don't know how Nicholson will be. I think he'll be a starter eventually. Uh, Botsall is probably just for depth. And Brandon Allen is definitely just for depth. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. As far as the next two games go before we record next, um, man, I mean, all of our issues as Minnesota United fans that we're fetching about, um, I feel like it's just going to also run into Houston being completely garbage on the road and Red Bulls having a lot of question marks all season. Um, so we should so know. The, so the stoppable force comes across the movable object. Basically, <laughs> who will win? <laughs> uh, we should note that uh, Francisco Calvo and Jermaine Taylor made the uh, Gold Cup group stage top eleven. One of these Yay. things is not like the other. One of these <laughs> things was expected all along. So one of these things is being played out of position by his national team. One of these things is being played out of position by Minnesota United FC. So that's the that's the situation. But anyway, let's no, move I, along to yeah, the whatever. segment we call the Major Listing Service, where we talk about MLS. This week, the roster for the All-Star Game was announced and prominent exclusion was Christian Ramirez from Minnesota United, the highest scoring American in MLS with 10 goals. Helpfully, this was pointed out by Minnesota United FC Twitter when Sporting Kansas City was whining about uh, Tim Melia not being in the lineup as a goalkeeper. They, they were like, look at all these stats. And then Minnesota United Twitter was like, yo, dudes, if we're looking at stats, Dom Dwyer scored like five goals. Christian is 10. And then Sidney LaRue came back with like this awesome comeback about standings and how Minnesota United was really low on the standings. I'm like, yo, you are, you haven't won a game since April for club or country. Your team, FC Kansas City, is ninth out of 10 teams in the NWSL standing. Yo, what are you doing? Also, Minnesota United Twitter had a fantastic uh, clap back at Sunu LaRue. I don't think she's tweeted since, so... <laughs> yeah, I mean... Um, so... It's not as if Sidney LaRue's standings have taken a dive as much as Dom Dwyer does. Oh, wait, no. Actually, yes. Yes, they have. All right, that's enough said about uh, <laughs> about Mr. Dwyer. Um, except one thing, which is that, I mean, Sidney's talking about soccer standings. Dom's in Olympic diving, so they're kind of different issues, I think. So, anyway, moving along to the rest of the, the, the All-Star Game squad you guys have any feelings on this lineup? Um, Chicago Fire has four players. Atlanta has three. FC Dallas has three. I think Nemanja Nikolic should be starting over Josie Altador. <laughs> you think? Um, what? It's the the whole All Star Game in a lot of sports, but especially MLS, is just a popularity popularity contest. Um, the Demarcus Beasley is on the 
roster. I didn't even know he was still playing. Johan Kapelhoff <laughs> is on the roster. Michael Parkers. Michael Parkers Doesn't is on the roster. Um, there's a lot of other players that deserve to be in the ro- on the roster. But yeah. these t- these big names, the big USMNT names, big just names from from MLS in general, like Michael Parkhurst and Tappelhoff, are going to make the team in front of players that de- deserve it. Um, just call it the the all marketing lineup. Don't call it the all star lineup. It's a joke. Every single year, there are these controversies about the the garbage that is sometimes put onto the lineup. Ike Opara this year was pretty mad. He tweeted out he he should have been on the starting lineup for sure. Although he even fantastic this year. It, he, to be fair, the previous year he did submit a ballot that was literally variations of Mike Grella's name in every single spot <laughs> for the player vote. So it, if the players want to take it seriously, um Herc Gomez put it pretty succinctly. Um, put some extra language into reforming this into the next CBA. So East versus West, you know, this is the constant struggle. We don't have any games to talk about in this segment, so we might as well handle this really quickly. Would you prefer to see an East versus West All-Star game? Would you prefer it not to be an All-Star game? Do you like the current format against a European top team? I think it would be fun to have East versus West and then have like an All-Star weekend like the NBA does, have a bunch of different things like still competitions. Um, stuff like that. They used you, to do you, that in the, the crossbar competitions and just like pick the corner out and you know, stuff like that. And then the winner of the East versus West plays Real Madrid C team or whatever, and they bring in another game in. Um, mm. Maybe or maybe you do forty five minutes East versus West. Whoever scores, there's, there's going to be scoring because there's never defense in any All Star games. And then they play. Uh, European team. How about this Thursday? Have East versus West. Whoever wins plays on Sunday. On Sunday against yeah, yeah. whatever, and then I'm, in the meantime, use that those couple of days for like skills games, that um, homegrown player game, things like that. Yeah, that I think that'd be. They're, they're listening. They're missing a lot. They did have a homegrown player game or an all rookie team versus an all sophomore team, um, but a lot of that depends on the growth of the league. Because with those young young special games with the um, home drone players and the rookie sophomore, you need you need a a deep pool to bring in those players, and I don't think we had that yet. So the whole point of the All Star Game is to have marketing, right? To mm-hmm. give give a sense celebration for the sponsors and like have all these mid season announcements about expansions and Don Garber goes on talks at halftime with Taylor Twelman, blah blah blah. So so here's my thing. How about, and I'm entirely serious about this, go with an Apertura and Clausura format like Liga MX. Have an actual final midway through the season that you can make a marketing event because it's a final. It, they should line it up with the U.S. Open Cup final. Sure. Have the U.S. Open Cup final in front of the All-Star game. But you you run the risk as MLS having this year at Miami FC or FC Cincinnati in your U.S. Open Cup final, but well, that, either that, way, that, that's a U.S. soccer thing versus in, MLS. So yeah. MLS wants their own celebration. Have an actual MLS final midway through the season instead of this contrived affair, where every year people complain about the jerseys, complain about the teams, and I mean it's it's a barely interesting game where you're watching some, uh, you know, guys chosen based on the fact that they were popular in Serie A five years ago. Cook <laughs> um, playing the the game, 
I mean, forget about it, right? Like, I mean, wh why even try this? Why even try East versus West, which wasn't a success? Just just go with an Apertura Clausura format. We know what works in NASL. We know it works in Liga MX. Just go with it. But that, that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be, that'd be, that makes almost too much sense, Notch. Right? And then, then you can have one more final later, and then you can have a final of the final. And then in the middle of either halftime at the Alistair All-Star Dame or between dames, you announce... MLS expansion teams for next year. You'd build hype for that team, or you announce the first DP signing for LA FC. Yeah. You announce something huge news so people keep watching through each game, something like that. Or you recognize that there is a way too big chunk of the American soccer public that just wants to see Real Madrid play against MLS players. I'm sorry. I've, I've, that's that's why they do it. I feel like those people do are going to buy though? tickets, though. Do they? I feel like those people will buy tickets for that game, and pe people who are at home, like, oh, I'm not going to. I know I'm not going to watch the All Star games. I don't care. Even if Ramirez was made the team, I'm not going to watch a meaningless game between MLS All Stars who are most are past their prime against Real Madrid's B or C team. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo's not here anyway, so what's the point? Transfers in and out, yo. Thomas Martinez, he's joined Houston Dynamo. Yeah, young DP coming over from Sporting Braga of Portugal. Uh, really, he, he was a highly touted Argentine midfielder, 22 years old. Um, came over to Braga last year, just played for their reserves. Kind of a question mark signing as to why you would use a DP slot on someone like him. But then again, I feel like if they did this deal last year everyone would have praised it because he was coming off of some pretty successful years either playing for river plates or going out on loan to um some different clubs in argentina spain places like that it's a high risk high reward i think um, yeah exactly it doesn't work out people expect that too but if it does work out it's going to be one of the best deals of the in recent memory. For yeah, Houston and never Dynamo. mind the fact that they've got plenty of good players as it is. If you're wrapping up a designated player slot on somebody that might end up being really, really good, you know, it's it's a worthwhile lottery ticket. And he's only 22 years old, so yeah. even though he hasn't been good last season, he could obviously still progress and do better. He won't, but good news for Minnesota United, or, or bad news depending on how he plays in the future, uh, he won't be available for the game on Wednesday. Oh, well, whenever you listen to this, so yeah. LA Galaxy's mascot had a little bit of social media fodder to provide us. I'm so bummed that I didn't go out drinking with Cosmo when he was here. <laughs> Anywho, um, so Cosmo, the LA Galaxy mascot, brought out an easel with a poster board that said, Be still my heart, it's called soccer. Cosmo, thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we super appreciate us. it. <laughs> super appreciate it. Um, Jose Mourinho just kind of walked by it as if like nothing had happened. Paul Pogba, on the other hand, there's a really great picture of him like squaring up to hit Cosmo in the face with a ball, <laughs> and it's fantastic. You also saw Romelu Lukaku's first game for Manchester United. When they played Real Salt Lake in a friendly. And Hooray. guess what? He scored. Surprise, surprise. Against one of the worst defenses in MLS. Romelu <laughs> Lukaku, the best striker 
Well, one of the best strikers in the Premier League scored a goal. Great for super obscure trivial pursuit questions in the future. Also, RSL, it has to be noted, subbed in 11 new players in the 30th minute, and this goal came after that. So (laughs) (laughs) when you go watch the highlight and you see Real Salt Lake's defenders flailing more than usual, you know why. (laughs) All right, let's move on to a segment we call The Pyramid Scheme, where we talk about soccer from the rest of the U.S. soccer pyramid that we haven't talked about yet. First off, U.S. Open Cup news. Um, So there is... Only one game because uh, Miami and FC Cincinnati lost to Torrential Rain. Um, their game was rescheduled for like August 2nd or something. Yeah, August 2nd. Yeah, um, that's but, a Wednesday. Uh, New England lost 1-0 at home-ish because they were playing at Harvard. Um, probably in front of the same exact size crowd uh, to the New York <laughs> Rebels. Um B-W-U-P uh, had the late winner, his first goal in his U.S. Open Cup career. And the Wimbledon did finish this game with 10 men after Benjamin Andorra was sent out for a straight red. Um, did anyone here see what happened or why um, Jay Heaps was so pissed off after this game? So, <laughs> watching the replay of it, it seems more like it was a, a bad tackle that the referee said, you know, get over here and then Angoa went off on him and must have said something ridiculously terrible about his mother because all of a sudden a very confrontational red card was shown. The old uh, messy strategy. (laughs) Yes. Okay, cool. Yes, basically. Um, Or or, or, uh, Mexican coach Osorio, too. (laughs) Um, So, Jay Heaps' comments said, quote, the referee said it was 100%, so it was 1,000, 100%, a red card. I haven't seen it, so hopefully he's 100,000% sure, like he said. I have a feeling that he kept on inflating those numbers there. Like, <laughs> so like, salty. First, I thought that so it was salty. the amount of alcohol that I had that made me lead <laughs> with different numbers. But no, that's the exact quote. <laughs> well, the very much anticipated Miami FC versus FC Cincinnati game was rescheduled thanks to storms. But something that could not be rescheduled was not rescheduled. That came at us like a storm of hype was today's NASL announcement. The Jackson Armada have a new owner. Why am I the only person excited about this? Wait, I'm not excited even either. His name is Robert Palmer. His name is Robert Palmer. His name uh, name is Robert Palmer. I mean, I know it's not a direct quote from Fight Club, but it's very close. I mean, if if we're supposed to be excited then we should also not look like all of the Robert Palmer girls ever like I feel like my muted response to this is just an homage to his videos well I actually am genuinely impressed that they managed to get a new owner for Jacksonville Armada so quickly I mean the last time NASL owned a team the Silverbacks they went out of uh, they went into receivership Uh, the Stars took a little while to find an owner too so so to be doing this midway through the season is pretty good i mean good on nasl but does and this mean that their fall season form is me a lot less for a lot worse than their spring season because their lead owned lead owned teams do well in nasl we know that for sure are they just going to fall off oh absolutely, a real owner absolutely. In fall season um 
as far as this Robert Palmer fellow goes, he owns a real estate lending business in Florida that apparently spends five times as much just on radio and TV advertising than the entire operating budget of the Jacksonville Armada. So either that's some really, really terrible things about the Armada or this guy is loaded. I'm not sure which. Um, the other uh, actual positive news, um, he announced some extensions. Mark Lowry is getting extended on his deal through 2021, which is a while. Um, they're also announcing that they're extending their deal to stay at the stadium that they're at through 2018, potentially looking to build a six to 8,000 person stadium within the next couple of years possibly even having a, a full-out campus that includes apartments for players, um, the business offices, a gym, a chef on site. A lot of things seem really pie in the sky right now. Well, we'll see what happens. Jacksonville does have a good fan base. They've obviously been doing well competitively, but I think I think the market is, is really good. So, Palmer... Uh, Going in for the investment that he saw, I can I can see why someone like him would uh, would see, would yep. see the Armada as a good investment. Uh, Daryl Fordyce has returned to FC Edmonton. He was at FC Cincinnati Thank recently. Thank goodness he's back. He made nine appearances and he's gained permanent residency status in Canada, so he will not be an international for FC Edmonton. Very good player for them last season. Hopefully he can get back to that form. Hasn't necessarily lit the world on fire for Cincinnati. but Also, right after winning the spring season title, Miami FC moved on from their huge victory against San Francisco Deltas by... Having a huge victory against the San Francisco Deltas. <laughs> um, Enzo Ranella um, ended up day? taking the first half scoring title. Um, Ten goals at the break. Uh, the Deltas can be glad that they didn't totally repeat the previous week because they, they were in front of their goals. home. F- yeah, they were in front of their home fans. So obviously, home they fan. wanted to make sure. Yeah, home fan. Yeah, everyone else was watching on Twitter, guys. Let's let's be real. <laughs> yeah, we should tell you the scoreline was Miami FC three, San Francisco Deltas one. With that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with news from the USL, NWSL, NPSL, USMNT, and Gold Cup, and much, much more. Welcome back to We Call It Soccer. Now we move on to news from the USL. Louisville City 2, FC Cincinnati 3. It's a good thing that FC Cincinnati had nothing else to do this week uh, because they did have one of their big rivalry matches. It was the first time that they won the River Cities Cup away from Cincinnati. What, what? How did this game go? Were there a lot of chances? There were a ton of chances for Louisville throughout the game. Um, Louisville started out the scoring in the eighth minute, but then had three, four if you're going to count the fact that the closing goal was an own goal by FC Cincinnati. Um, four unanswered goals, uh, but it peppered between... It, it, it basically seemed like Cincinnati scored every time that they had a chance to mm-hmm. and then saved every single chance that they got throughout the rest of the match. And if you've seen coverage of FC Cincinnati, you'd be 
forgiven for assuming that they're knocking heads in the USL, but actually they're they're actually sixth in the Eastern Conference standings. Charleston Battery right now running away with um, first place by three points from the Charlotte Independents. And when you look at the Western Conference, Real Monarchs are in a firm first with 43 points, and San Antonio FC are in second with 36. Swap Park Rangers close third with 35. NWSL news now. North Carolina Courage in the lead in the NWSL standings with 27 points. Chicago Red Stars in second. Marta has not yet drawn the Orlando Pride towards the top of the table. They are still sitting in sixth place. And of course, the two Cascadia teams in fourth and fifth, Portland Thorns and Seattle Rain. I also feel obliged to point out that FC Kansas City, the team of uh, Sydney LaRue, she of uh, where are Minnesota United in the standings? FC Kansas City is ninth out of ten teams, and uh, Washington Spirit in last place actually has a game in hand over FC Kansas City too. And not only that, FC Kansas City have not won, I believe, since April. Yeah, April. Yep, they haven't won a game since April. All right, MPSL news. Um, we'll at least focus on the MPSL North because there's way too many conferences, but uh, Duluth FC did win the NPSL North. Dakota Fusion get the second spot in the table, which means that they advance to the playoffs at the expense of the Grumpy Cat Twitter FC Minneapolis City. Yeah, that's all that I had to. Yeah. Um, (laughs) He wrapped it all up. Minneapolis City did win their final game and spoiled Med City FC's attempt to make the playoffs. Uh, They won 2-0 on the road, uh, but their fate had already been sealed, unfortunately, for all of the citizens. As far as I could tell, this was one of the best-covered NPSL seasons, at least this particular conference within the NPSL. I saw a lot of coverage of all of the teams that were playing. How did you guys find it? Because y'all went to a lot more Minneapolis City games than I did. No, I didn't. I went to... I went to the same one you did. Yeah, I went to like four of them, maybe. Um, you know, Honestly, yeah, it, it was a lot better covered. And it felt as though there were... There were more fans that were at least passionately engaged as opposed to just like, you know, following along with the action. Uh, Minneapolis definitely had a really good good following throughout, but it seemed also like Med City was still getting a lot of people in the doors, were getting people engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, Duluth the same way. So it, it definitely seems like the interest is there for a really strong NPSL North coming through. As far as the play on the field, Duluth FC... I was never impressed with them. Um, it, you just it, lost that one listener who's an FC Duluth fan. Sorry, okay. Floral or whatever your name is. <laughs> Anywho, um, but it, it, Duluth, it, I can understand how they won. They were able to play a different style, but it it, it felt like Stoke winning the Premier League. Like you would just uh-huh. feel dirty admitting that. Um, Dakota Fusion, I think, actually have a more they have a stronger chance just because they have a much better goal scoring threat in Jay Johnson. Um, we'll see kind of how things shake out as the playoffs go along. Um, Dakota, I know have a 
matchup against Detroit City coming up. So I think it helped the coverage just having a lot of Minnesota teams in general join the league. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so you build rivalries between cities like uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, and um, and Duluth, Duluth and, and Rochester, and all those teams kind of joined in. You kind of got coverage almost from all the teams in the Minnesota Twitter because. Miss United fans come from all over the state, and they've picked their yeah. local club, and they follow them, and they tweet about them. And so you, you kind of got a better sense of the, of the league, uh, minus the, the total teams and the FC Eris, who oh, I'm so sorry, Eris. <laughs> but it's 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 fun to see this tiny lead, well, tinier lead. I don't want to say tiny; that seems kind of mean. But this am, semi-pro lead that is. Uh, growing in popularity in Minnesota, which is kind of fun to see. Yeah. With that, let's move on to a segment we call The Sewer. In The Sewer segment, we talk about our men's Ninja Turtles who were playing in the Gold Cup group stage. They won 3-2 against Martinique. They won 3-0 against Nicaragua. Takeaways from these games, besides the fact that Dom Dwar shouldn't take penalties. Holy shit, was that Martinique game almost terrible. Almost terrible. Almost I mean, terrible. the fact that they let in two goals against Martinique is pretty terrible. My one defense is that is that Brad was was in goal. Have fun, Atlanta. <laughs> it's gonna be a great last year, rest of your season. So in that game, the U.S. scored two goals. Martinique equalized, and we got the uh, winner to go to to get the three points. Yeah, Jordan Jordan Morris with two goals in that game. Uh, uh, Omar Gonzalez with the opener of the game. Um, two. I'd say I'd say one. Pretty bad mistake by Brad Guzan in the first goal. Second one just did a weird deflection that he turned dead to, but it looked pretty funny. Watch yeah. him dive in the goal. I think the second one he he needed to like actually play the ball rather than just look at it. Like if he had seen it, he <laughs> would have been able to do. track back and get to it. Like it, it was just a terrible misplay by Guzan. The second game featured that aforementioned missed penalty by Dom Dwyer, which was actually a pretty light penalty in the first place. Dom gets a hand around him, and as Dom does, he falls over. Almost karmically, he missed the penalty. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have called it a penalty, but then again, my ribs are not ticklish, so I can't really empathize with how bad that was for him. The the U.S. needed a three 0 win to uh, overcome Panama in the group t- in the group. Uh, table standings to be and avoid playing Costa Rica in the, in the quarterfinals. They're playing El Salvador thanks to a 3 0 win, but two missed penalties, not just Don Dwyer, but Joe Torona also missed one with probably the, one of the worst taken penalties I've seen that was actually on frame. It was absolutely terrible and so weak. Joe Torona did score the goal, the score of the opener for uh, US men's national team, and then Town Rowe and Matt Miazdek at their first ever international goals to steal the win. Um, Kellen Rowe yeah. is leaving the Gold Cup squad along with Alejandro Bedoya, Brad Guzan, Sean Johnson, <laughs> Dom Dwyer, and Christian <laughs> Rolden. Coming in are Darlington Nagby, Tim Howard, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, Golzi Alves scores, Jesse Gonzalez, and Clint Dempsey. It, it really seems as though they're bolstering their squad rather than bringing in just replacement level guys. Kellen Rowe should have stayed. I I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but he definitely was the one of the best players in the first game against Panama and was the best player in the field for US in the game against uh, Nicaragua. He's one of the commissioner's picks in the MLS All Star game. 
commence conspiracies about MLS interference on the U.S. men's national team. The truth is out there. Yeah. That's my segment, guys. <laughs> Speaking of segments, let's go to the pub. Yep. This let's re- oh. fly over to England. <laughs> where we do a segment that we call the pub where we have coverage of everything English soccer related. This week, we are going to a pub called the London Only Heart Club. George's journey continues. He is still no longer wanted back at Manchester City. Where is he now? Going to uh, Wham. I believe he's going to be at the drummer with uh, George Michael and the <laughs> other guy whose name I'd never know. Because <laughs> he didn't sit in the back like the goalkeeper and the drummer does, guys. I mean, on one hand, RIP George Michael, pour one out. And it's Andrew Ridgely. Thank you very much. By the way, the announcement videos that people or that teams have been making for their new signings have been remarkably terrible. I don't know if Joe Hartz was meant to be one of those ironically remarkably terrible, but the fact that they just had like random kids as their season ticket holders being the family around Joe Hart, that was terrible. It it does seem like there's some there's some sort of weapons race in making these signing videos. You know, with that one with the WhatsApp that uh, John Terry signing for Aston Villa was, and then there was another one with Liverpool and uh, what's his face, uh, Mo Salah. Yeah. So and then so I, I, it's it's like one of those jokes that's getting old really fast. All these amusing I, I, videos. The Mo Salah one was like one of the first ones. So we are. Yes. On the cutting edge of memes over at Liverpool FC. <laughs> I still think the Laka new signing was fantastic, though. Kyle Walker has signed with Manchester City for £50 million. The most expensive defender ever. <laughs> Imagine if he could actually cross the ball. <laughs> he would be like £200 million. Pounds. Oh, wait, we'll get to that later. Anywho, um, uh, perhaps the most fantastic thing that happened in English soccer because not much happened, Inverness Caledonian Thistles manager held a on-pitch press conference following their team losing 20-5 to to 100 children. Go watch this. It is perhaps some of the best improv comedy I have seen this entire <laughs> Year. Every single time my team loses in Football Manager, I think the same sort of press conference that this guy had. And it <laughs> it is amazing. With that, let's move on to a segment we call They Don't Call It Soccer in brackets. Some do, though, where we talk about soccer from parts of the world that we haven't talked about already. Um, some uh, terrible news, honestly, out of uh, the Netherlands. Ajax, uh, youngster. Uh, also, first team player Abdullah Tanuari um, collapsed in the field dinner friendly against, I think, Werder Bremen. Um, the club and everyone thought he was going to be fine. We just made made a recovery, but it turns out uh, he has a permanent and severe brain damage. Um, just a horrible, um, horrible event in for the that for that young player and also for Ajax and the Netherlands. Um, Timothy Fosu-Mensa, a Netherlands international player and also Manchester United uh, player, uh, posted a video about his time with Nori and how he was such a, a kind of always happy, a good energy in the locker room, kind of a beam of sunlight. And hopefully um, Timothy Fosu-Mensa and his friends and 
Nori's family and Ayat's and Netherlands community tend rally around him and um one of the rally, yeah yeah one of the most promising players that was playing in the Netherlands and you know this tragedy seems to be cutting all of that short and you know that in and of itself being the most insignificant part of this is tragic yeah yeah gold cup news the quarterfinals are coming up who do we have playing each other Wednesday we have Costa Rica versus Panama thank you and then uh, the USA versus El Salvador Thursday um, Jamaica and Canada will play and Mexico and Honduras will battle it out a recent bit of news that came out was that a Mexican soccer fan told his wife that he was going to out to get cigarettes and then flew to Russia for the Confederations Cup instead. Uh, that sounds a little bit intense. Why not just tell her that you're going out to the Confederations Cup and that you get the cigarettes later? I mean, in his defense, Russia does have the best, best cigarettes. So, I mean, he, wants, he only wants the best for him and his wife to smoke. In a shocking piece of news, Francesco Tardi has decided to be a director at Roma and not join the New York Cosmos. Who knew that this was going to happen? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, speaking of actual shocking news, um, Perry Saint-Germain has reportedly met the release clause, or clause of 195 pounds or million pounds. If 195 pounds were enough to dislodge Neymar... It's that it's that Billy Bonilla contract. I could give contract. that. It's that uh, Billy Bonilla twenty-five year contract. The same guy wrote the. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I would be willing to give up a hundred ninety-five of my pounds for Neymar. <laughs> like if I could give up a hundred ninety-five pounds to suddenly become Neymar. In any case, um, Neymar has reportedly had his release clause met. One hundred ninety-five million pounds uh, by PSG. If this happens, it would double the world record transfer fee. Uh, AC Milan and Serie A have brought in nine kind of nine transfers into their team. Uh, most notably, probably uh, Hatan Chalnoglu from Leverkusen, Ricardo Rodriguez from Wolfsburg. Leonardo uh, freaking Benucci. Leonardo freaking Benucci from Juventus. One of the best defenders in the entire world. So my only question is to you guys, how does AC Milan mess this up? Is there AC Milan? <laughs> um... Maybe the fact that they won't have Wojciech Chesney, who's apparently going to Juventus for a $10 million transfer uh, to But they the, have Gianluigi Donnarumma, so it's okay. I mean, why is Arsenal giving up Chesney? I don't know. Czech I have no a superior I, keeper. I have no idea, except for apparently Chesney smoked in a, in a shower after a game that he had a howler one time. <laughs> Apparently, that's the reason why they soured on him, and it makes no fucking sense to me. The Christian Pulisic hype train continues as he was able to score uh, two assists and draw a penalty in a friendly against AC Milan. Hype, 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 hype. Guys, get with it. It's Alfonso Davies. Everybody. Nobody cares about Pulisic. It's Alfonso Davies we care about now. So, um, but 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 USA, USA. But but, but uh, Southern Canada, Minnesota. Hello. Um, anyway, moving on. Let's get to a segment that we call the Reynolds Wrap Up, where Colin takes a soccer conspiracy theory you're thinking about and makes sense of it for you. So, 
Minnesota United FC announced uh, that they had built up their roster for their first academy team. Um, they're going to be playing U13s, U14s. Super exciting news, but everybody has continued to be mad about the fact that they do not have players above that young level. Um, I actually have some information. They do have academy players at the U15, U17, and U19 levels. Here's the scoop. I don't know if you've heard about this, but NASA has a colony on Mars that is built up of abducted children that they're using for experiments and slave labor. Guess who is a part of this partnership with NASA? Cargill. You know what that means? No. No, no, no. What does that it mean? means that the Mars colony actually falls within Minnesota's development area because Cargill is based in the Twin Cities. This means that the children that are between the ages of 14 and 18 that are currently enslaved by NASA are actually eligible to play for Minnesota United FC. And guess what? In between their days slaving away trying to build crops on the red planet and having various scientists probe them to figure out how terrible the atmosphere is, they're also learning the finer points of how to make crosses. They are going to be eligible for Minnesota United FC, pending, of course, the next space shuttle that actually comes between Mars and the United States. Yeah, do you have to pay like Dam or Tam for like a transportation fee from <laughs> Mars to here? Like that's that's an important question. You know, surprisingly enough, the the amount of money that it takes to transport somebody between their prior club and the United States does not actually factor into their transfer fee. Oh, all right. Transfers themselves do not count in transfer fees. Well, we'll have to figure out all these problems before our colony on Omicron Alpha 3 uh, gets going. And then, you know, we've, we've got players coming from that league into ours. Well, with that, we should call an end to this week's show. Where can the good people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at The Attachment. I'm at KOlson716. Also, I'm on 551 to read my recap of the game against Nicaragua there. You can find me at TWO United Fans. You can also find this podcast in Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and other fine podcast providers everywhere. Please tell your friends to listen to the show if you enjoy it and leave us a rating on iTunes. With that, we bid you adieu. We will see you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.